There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast, <laughs> number 1068. Can you hear the dog barking? Oh, he was wolfing a second ago. Oh, here that that's my my wife's trying to talk to him. Like, I'm about to take you out. Don't worry. <laughs> She's having just a full-on conversation with the dog. This is what happens in quarantine. You just start having full-on conversations with your animals. Actually, to be fair, this is something that uh, we do when there's not a quarantine. So, you know what? Why blame it on the quarantine? Just wanted to sound cool is all. But uh, I hope you're doing well. And talk to your pets. Fuck, come on. Why not? Have full conversations with them. Have pet tea parties. Have uh, Do masterpiece theater. Put on costumes. Uh, record and then put it on TikTok because that's what all the kids are doing. God damn it. I'm so close to... I was so opposed to TikTok for so long. But then, you know, I there there are a lot of people who are a lot older than I am who are doing it. And um, now, uh, now I follow the elderly. That's that's those are the trends that I go after. Uh, so I don't know, <laughs> but I hope you're doing well. Uh, let's talk about the ID10T community corkboard events at ID10T.com. There's still stuff going on. Like Corey, who writes, in March 2019, I launched North Beats Podcast, chatting with people behind electronic music. After my fourth open heart surgery three years ago, I got back into playing synthesizers. Side note, Corey, um, it sounds like you're okay, and I'm very glad you're okay. So, Corey goes on. I found a great community of artists with support uh, who support each other and play shows together. I discovered a niche of interviewing my friends about the technology and perspectives they each have. I've branched out to find guests that I personally don't know and have a mix of in-person and telecommunication interviews. I perpetually thirst for knowledge and learn from every interview. I work 40-plus hours a week at Safeway as a produce manager in San Francisco and don't have time and energy to produce episodes consistently, yet my listeners a few. Giving back to the synth community is a gratitude. Check out an episode sometime of North Beats Podcast. Rate, review, uh, and enjoy. So, Corey, this is fantastic that you're doing this. Everything that you've said about how at first you had friends on and then you've recently started branching out to find – that's exactly how I started this podcast. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm, I might run out of friends now after about a year, so I should probably start. And uh, And 10 years later, here we are. So – this sounds fantastic. It's based on something you're incredibly passionate and knowledgeable about and you're seeking more knowledge. And I just have all the respect in the world for it. So thank you so much. And also thank you for what you're doing, keeping the f- the flow of produce going in a time where, you know, we can't – you used to take produce for granted. Ah, yeah, I don't know. I might go to the store and pick up. We can't do that anymore. It's very important. So you're doing – what you're doing is very, very, very important to your community. So I thank you. I'm sure your community thanks you. Your podcast is called North Beats and you're in San Francisco. I assume you're in North Beach, um, uh, which I was just in like the two weeks before the uh, the quarantine. So I love San Francisco and I just – I send you – I send you love, appreciation and uh, praise and encouragement to keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Events at ID10T.com for anyone else who wants to get your thing mentioned on the podcast. This episode is Vincent Cassell who is an incredible French actor. I, you've seen Vincent Cassell. He's been in a lot of stuff. He usually plays a bad guy which he embraces and loves and uh he's in um he's in France at the moment and so we spoke a few weeks ago uh via teleconference video conferencing software and uh he was great it it was such a it's been so interesting to talk to people in different countries and i really hope this 
continues moving forward in the podcast once everything kind of normalizes and you know kind of goes get gets back to some semblance of of uh, a normal life which it will uh but i hope we continue to do these uh zoom casts vincent cassell is in the most recent season of westworld season three which is available on hbo go hbo now today and then i believe hbo max is launching may 27th so there you go you probably are already watching westworld if you're not Now's a good time. You got some time to watch some Westworld. This is the ID10T podcast number 1068 with the amazing French actor Vincent Cassell, who we now join in a pre recorded fashion in France. Initiating ID10T protocol. Am I where I'm supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, I think you are. <laughs> I, I, don't think a... you, I don't think you dropped into a random podcast that was already recording. You are definitely in the right spot. How you doing? I'm good. Sorry for, for being late. Oh, you're fine. Hey, listen, man. You know, there's just, there are far more important things in the world right now than, you know, being exactly on time for a podcast. This is really not a big deal. This is a this is a fun distraction that we're very lucky that we get to do. So I'm it's totally fine. Yeah. Are you in France at the moment? I am in France right now. I am in Biarritz, which is the southwest of France, nearby Spain on okay. the map. Uh, and you know, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to linger too much about everything that's going on. I think this will be a nice distraction for people. But are you okay? How's your area for Americans that don't know what specifically is going on in France? Well, you know, everything is blocked, uh, as uh, in many places in the world. We are we are stuck, in, you know, at home, and yep. uh, so we don't go out, you know. And uh, everybody respects that. I would say 99.9% the people re- respect that. So hopefully, like in a month, we're supposed to be able to, to get out on the street again, slowly but surely. But personally, nobody's sick around. In this region in particular, we it wasn't hit so hard. It was more like the east on the other side. Okay. But, you know, we all, we're all in the same boat. I know. I know. I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine in Italy a, about a week ago and and uh, just sort of saying, like, the interesting thing is what a community the world has become because the playing field is somewhat leveled in terms of everyone experiencing the same thing, you know, to, to different degrees. Uh, right. Were you were you in you? Do you still live in Brazil a lot of the time? No, I don't. I don't live in Brazil anymore. I still have. You know everything over there, which is like a life somehow. Yeah. Uh, so I go often, but I I, uh, I became a French citizen again, like a like a year ago. Or so. What? Oh, so you were not a French citizen for a while, and you became a French citizen again. Yeah. And are they? <laughs> what's the process? Where you go? Okay. You know what? I know before, no, but can I have this back? No. Well, you you cannot lose your uh, uh, French nationality. Ever. Okay. So I've always been French. It's just that you you pay your taxes in a different country. Gotcha, that's, gotcha, that's the gotcha. only difference. Okay. okay, so it's not like you have to renounce it and then go, "Hey, I was just kidding before. Can I have this back?" And they go, "All right." <laughs> Resident, I would say. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I was reading that you speak multiple languages. Is this true? You never know with Wikipedia. No, I do a little bit. I mean, but it's not such a big big deal, you know. Uh, first of all, when you're you're in France, and so based in Europe, you have, I mean, you don't have to because it's not like everybody does, but we have a tendency to learn, you know, at least, I don't know, Spanish or for some people it would be German or uh, Portuguese, uh, in my case, Italian. But the other thing is that when you speak one or two Latin languages, I mean, it's already easy to, to learn another one. You know, it's not that hard. It's not like if you jump from Chinese to Italian 
to Russian, right. which are totally different languages. So it's kind of it's kind of a cheat, really. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it's it, it just to Americans, we're always fascinated because we're so we're so landlocked and pretty much just focused on ourselves. And so a lot, of, a lot of Americans don't we're not, you know, multilingual. But I took Latin in high school and it was very, very, very helpful to learn, you know, some of the romance languages, at least some of the basics, because the foundation is all the same. Yeah, yeah. You, you find things here and there and it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I realized about you is that you and I have the same birthday. Happy birthday, November 23rd. Exactly. The first day of the Sagittarius, by the way. Yes, yes. What does that mean? What, what, what does first day of Sagittarius mean for us? Honestly, I don't know. You know it's, uh, I would say, well, it's a sign of fire, you know, and I recognize myself in that, meaning that, you know, I need to do something all the time. Yeah. Uh, a hyperactivity. I don't know if you if you suffer from this too. Oh my gosh! Of <laughs> course. course. Yeah. All right. There, there is a mild form of attention deficit disorder that I feel like it, you know there always needs to be some project. That's why I was wondering because you know just sort of reading about all the different things that you do, it seems like you're someone that needs to stay very busy or at least have to always be focused on something. I don't know if that's the case for you, but if I mean, if you if you always have to be focused on something and it's a different thing all the time, it means that you're never focused on anything. Right, really. right, right, right. So I would say I like I like to keep busy and I never get bored. Yeah, if you want to put it that way. Did you when you did, when you were young? Was it? I'm just sort of curious. Like, is your career kind of what you imagined? Because you legitimately are, you know one of the more successful performers in the world. And when you were young, uh, did, you, did you have sort of a, did you have sort of a map for like, if I at least achieve this, I will be happy. If I at least do that, I will be okay. I dreamt of being somehow working everywhere, mm -hmm. like international, internationally. I never thought I would like be in France. So that's what I've tried to do. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to learn other languages, you know, is because I want to travel around. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I wanted to be the bad guy and I ended up being the bad guy. <laughs> 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 so I guess I can't really complain, you know, I mean, this is the kind of character that I was attracted to when I was a young actor. And, and that's the kind of performance that, I mean, bad guy, you know, to make it short, because when you think about it, what happens with bad guys is that they they don't mind carrying everything that we poor humans suffer in our in our daily life and we don't want to express this is everything you know the bad guys can express everything we are trying to hide as as people you know even little things you know it's uh, so you carry the dirt in, in a way and i think it's somehow pretty uh liberating you know, and some, I mean, to me as a young actor and as a young man watching those guys playing like, I don't know, you know, it could be like De Niro in, in, uh, in Raging Bull, you know, that kind of a loser, you know, but magnificent in a way because so ruthless. Or I would think about like characters played by Marcello Mastroianni, you know, weak and coward, but so charming, you know, and you know, all those characters, I think they're really interesting because they reflect reality more than anything else, really. Right. Yeah, and they're also more layered and they're more complicated and they tend to be more interesting. And they're more fun. <laughs> and they're what? More fun to play. Yeah, they're more fun to play, I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, when you're, when you're just a traditional protagonist in a film... Yeah, you kind of have, like, one goal, really, and you really can't stray from that goal and... You know, the bad guy gets to be the opposing force that tries to knock that guy off balance. I mean, you you really give the story its uh, purpose. You know, the bad guys give the story the purpose. You're the problem. Yeah, you are the problem. <laughs> things happen because there is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> is Can you talk a little bit about the, the sort of process of... Uh, like, what the vibe of breaking into French film is? How is it... Obviously, French film is revered, you know, the, the, I would imagine the same way that, although I almost feel like it, 
it to me as an American, French film feels very elevated. You know, it feels very like, oh wow, if you can if you can make it in French film, that's sort of the gold standard for for acting and art. It feels very romantic to me. Do you do you perceive it that way? No, I guess you know the perception we have from things from from a distance are always like kind of you know the disrupted or um, changed somehow you know you can i mean i can see as a european you know the i wouldn't say the fear but even the complex you know french and non-american art artists have towards what's a so-called hollywood you know mm-hmm. everything that is spoken in becomes hollywood it's part of this big like dark beast wants to eat everything else around it <laughs> no but really no, that's it's a market thing you know it's a market thing it's a reality somehow you know when you look at places like france you know i think if we still have somehow a, um, uh, an industry that is still alive it's because we have laws to protect the market mm-hmm. from everything that would come from america so oh. which is a good thing korea had the same and they have one of the strongest and most interesting um, in industry in the world today. So I don't know where I was heading for. Well, I think you were just sort of talking about the perception. You said that the perception of the different industries yeah. is different from afar. Oh, exactly. so, you know, and you have this thing that French is like, you know, art and romantic. And this is, you know, it's bullshit. It's not what it is. It's uh, <laughs> this is like because you can maybe it's it's a vision of Americans about old Europe. You know, right. we have the past. We have places that are a thousand years already. But I don't think it works like that. I think it's uh, it's different. The system is different here. The industry is different. It's much smaller when you think about it. And uh, it's not as tough as is the American market and the American industry, that's for sure. Right, which, you know, is because America is such a large country, part of the issue is that you know, when it's a system that's based entirely on commerce, there are a lot of decisions get made for how do we reach as many of these 350 million people as possible, then it becomes more lowest common denominator, it's less, you know, I mean, I think, especially with all the streaming services now, it has been weirdly harder, I think, for people to get some stuff made, even though it seems like it would be easier because there are so many outlets. I know even before the virus hit, I knew so many actors who were out of work and kind of scratching their heads going, but wait, isn't there a demand for a ton of content right now? Why aren't there, why doesn't it feel like there are more jobs? I can't really tell, but there are more jobs. That's the truth. It's like there are so many things being shot all the time all the time because they need content right. good bad but they need content we need content yeah you know so but it's moving you know it's like the cars have been battered again and uh, and it's moving really fast and uh, you know it's definitely a moment where you have to adapt or you disappear right you know as a as an actor not as an actor acting but like as as one of the movie makers or part of this industry you have to uh you have to see where the freedom and where the money is, where the crea- the creativity is, you know? Yeah. Where fresh and happening, once again. And, and I guess TV became that thing, mostly. Yeah, TV absorbed a lot of... The streaming services and TV and uh, a lot of cable channels absorbed what sort of used to be kind of independent film... You know, like it's now these and now a lot of really amazing actors are doing limited series like Westworld, you know, is a perfect example of, uh, uh, you know, having different, ca- you know, like different people come in for a season at a time and doing something that's very cinematic, but stretched out over six or eight episodes or 10 episodes as opposed. So they're just like really, really, really long movies. So is, is you know, was is that one of the things that attracted you to Westworld? Mm. It's interesting, look, the movies are getting bigger and bigger and the screens are coming, becoming smaller and smaller because we're not watching that on, on, on a big screen now. I mean, if you have it, you love to have a, a home cinema or whatever, you can eventually, but it's not a cinema. Otherwise, you will end up watching like a long series on your iPad or 
eventually phone. Right. <laughs> well, most people do. If you're, if you're, you know, like if you commute a lot or if you're under a certain age, most of the content you watch is on your phone. Yeah. I mean, you have kids. Do, you, do they even understand the concept of sitting down to watch something on television or do they just assume that everything is on demand all the time in their pocket? Well, they assume. They know it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, anyway, I've been thinking like that for like a long time, really. And it's really a, a matter of size when you think about it. Right. You know, same content on any kind of screen. Yeah. The TV doesn't really exist. It became the computer with the, you know the Apple TV behind or whatever box you have. You know it's all you know with a mouth and you and you have apps and you know it all looks the same. For I mean, look on any of your device now, you can have the same content on different platforms. Mm-hmm. You see, even on your phone. Yeah. Get it on Hulu and then on YouTube because it's been act or whatever. So it's it's what is. Cinema, what is television, what is, you know, it's just a screen. Where can you get it? When? Anytime. The closest screen, I guess. At a certain point, maybe we won't have any screens that we own anymore, you know? We'll just stop in front of the screen and it will be yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll just see whatever is on the content, some type of an augmented... It's... Whatever is on your, uh, in your, on your uh, what do you call it? Yeah, on you your chip. chip. <laughs> yeah, you have a chip and whenever you go in front of a screen, it knows exactly what you want to watch. But that's... Mm. I do think that convenience, though, is can sort of be the enemy of art in a way, because if you're being shown things that an algorithm thinks you want to see all the time, what's the discovery? Like, what's the process of discovering things that you wouldn't normally think of or see? I, I don't know. You want to know the truth at the end of the day? Because of all that uh, that comfort of to, to be able to watch, I have hard drive with a three thousand. The history of like cinema, everywhere it's available. I don't watch anything anymore. Right. That's the truth. Because it's too much. <laughs> don't you have this moment where you get in front of your TV and you start to look for something, and by the time you spend like 25 minutes searching for something, you're tired and you go to sleep? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Your movie watching experience is just watching like 30 trailers for things and going, ah, nothing looks any good, and then you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if uh, if now they'll just start making like three minute movies. Like, well, let's just make a trailer length movie. We'll just pay some actor a lot of money. You heard about that, of course, no? The what? Jeff Katzenberg project. Oh, Quibi, uh, yeah, whole... yeah, Quibi, seven minute, yeah, 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 yeah. It un- it had the unfortunate uh, coincidence of launching during the coronavirus, so I don't know if that helped. Because people are all in front, you know, just around with nothing to do or if it hurt it because obviously there's no real news anymore outside of the coverage of the virus. So, you know, nothing is really nothing else is really getting through right now in the news because the headlines are dominated with the pandemic. So it'll be interesting to see if it's if it if it survives. But, you know, it you and I are old enough to remember a time when all entertainment was very separated. So film was film and television was television. And then 20 years ago, the internet started coming around and everything was suspicious of each other and nothing really, oh, you're a film person, you're a television person, that's an internet guy. Now everyone is kind of everything. Do you consider yourself like a perf- just a performer for everything? Yeah. Honestly. I mean... You know, it's just a question of format, really. You know, if you, if you feel that you can fit in it, that it, you know, why not? But then again, yeah, I mean, some TV shows that I didn't do for years in France, for example, I don't regret because I, I mean, st- still today, I think they, they, they were crap, and you know, <laughs> the quality became so interesting that at a certain point, you know, it's not really, you know, mostly what what was TV for a long time? They didn't have enough money to make a good show. Right. That was, you know, and so everything had to be very close, you know, all those talking heads, and it was more like on the rhythm and the lines and the comedy, but it looked cheap because there was no money, you know. But now that changed, you know, what's the what's the difference with a movie, really? Right. So, no, I just, I'm just an actor. I go anywhere that there's, there's a cool gig. 
How do you decide what's a cool gig? Is it sort of a is it a gut feeling? Is it a is it like what what's always, the, it's always a gut feeling because I just I always like to find out from people like you know when you pick cool thing after cool thing after cool thing a- anyone can fall into something but obviously when you can see the intention behind projects people are picking and even wait. sort of looking like I you know I really I enjoyed you in, and you've done amazing films. And I also enjoyed you in Shrek, which was a fucking great movie. Like, so, you know. (laughs) So I'm always curious, like, how people know. Like, what is the... Because following your gut can be a very challenging thing. We get insecurities. We... People tell us our ideas are stupid. We question ourselves. But some people are really good at pushing all of that aside and just listening to their gut. And that, that to me, is, is a really fascinating idea. And, but I think, you know, this is the only way to eventually do something that you're... Um... You see, if you choose everything because of your taste, because of your taste, what, what's, you know, then if you look back, what you did looks exactly like what you are, you know? Right. Actually, if you only do job for money, for example, or for, let's say, bad reason, because you want to be uh, close to somebody or you want more fame in a cheap way, I would say, then when you look back and you say, oh, my God, I did like a bunch of movies that I just can't stand, you know, and that would be, that's the only thing we have, you know, the, the actors. It's really, a, you know, a body of work after a point, after, after a certain point. Some people will recognize themselves in it and some people won't, but... At least, you know, you're true to yourself. Yeah. But you have to know yourself to be true to yourself. You have to figure out what that is. I don't think you need to know yourself to be true to yourself. You need to be true to yourself. I'm, I'm talking like if I'm like, you know, always true to myself and so straight, but that's not the, that's not the case. But, you know, you can feel when you're doing the right, the right choice or not, you know. Or why are you doing this? You have to be clear with yourself, at least, if it's not true, clear. <laughs> right, 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 right. You have to, yes, you have to at least be aware of what you're doing. Okay, yes, I took this job for money. That's okay. The next job I'll take for artistic reasons, you know? Is it just a, it's a constant balancing act? Yeah, I guess it is. But it's not really about money, mostly. mostly. It's just about, you know, I don't know about what, really. I'm, I'm still surprised of, you know, everything that happens. All the time, you know, when they call me for for Westworld that I was watching, by the way, as as an audience, as a fan, I was like, ah, oh, that's funny because I have I've, I didn't watch a lot of series, mm-hmm. really, and that was one of them. So you know, I knew exactly what was the deal when they called me. Yeah. What What do you? This is sort of a bizarre question, but what do you think constitutes happiness? Is it a contentment? Is it a, is it a is it a lack of Stress or drama? Is it? What, what do you think it is? A lack of stress is already a lot. And actually, when you think about it, this this coronavirus thing puts you in a position where, okay, everybody is losing money. Everybody, mm-hmm. mostly. But in the same time, look, we are not in a hurry anymore. And I know around me, people I know, I don't feel like that because I was pretty calm before this thing happened. But some, for some people, it really saved them. You know, it took them away from the madness and suddenly they had to sit and to cook and to be around people, you know, and, uh, and cut with the, the rest. And really, I, I, I got at least three examples in my mind. You know, people that have been saved by the virus, I would say. That's really interesting, yeah, because it's in the midst of this really horrible thing, you know, this is what we're left with. And we do not crave stillness. I think we constantly want to be in motion, maybe to be distracted or to sort of run from dealing with whatever it is that we're dealing with, not sitting with ourselves. And it's a shitty reason why we have to sit with ourselves, but I don't think having to be with yourself is in itself a horrible thing. I think it is a, it's a necessary thing and to be reflective. Like we need to sit and reflect from time to time. This is the comeback of Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, you're probably not wrong. I, I would imagine a, 
surprising percentage of people are probably exploring Buddhism, Stoic philosophy, anything that encourages stillness. Of course, you have time suddenly. Yeah, you do have time. And I think we, not that the, not, I, I don't think the universe is a conscious entity, but if it were a conscious entity, I think this might be it saying, y'all need to slow down a little bit and you need to take a breath and you need to reevaluate and you need to look at what you are valuing and just, you know, think about it, reconsider it, see if, see if you're following the right path or not, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. But when you think about like the the epidemics that they had, like in the future, in the past, you know, like uh, the plague or the cholera and all these things. I mean, people would. I mean, it was the same, except like you would go to buy some bread and die on the sidewalk. Right. It was all different, like uh, urgency and 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 danger. And millions of people died from from it, like back in the days, you know, in in Europe at least. Yeah. And now, you know, with this, I would say not little thing because it's not little, but this this virus that is not as least uh, as less little as uh, as the one I was talking about, and we're still freaking out. Can you imagine? <laughs> well, I think we're just it's it's the it's the panic of making sure that it doesn't get out of control or that the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. And so, yeah, I mean, it it does. You know, I have had a hard time trying to explain to some people. They go like. God, why do we have to sit in our homes? I don't understand. It's like, well, because you don't want the hospitals to get overwhelmed. You know, like it's if we have to sit around just to make sure that it doesn't get, you know, a lot worse, then we sit around for a bit. And then hopefully, you know, it. But whenever there's a major event that comes along, I feel like we always reevaluate you know, who we are and what's going on. But then we kind of fall back into old patterns again eventually. You know, I feel like we crave... We crave our old patterns. We crave we crave distraction, you know. But I I feel like as an actor, because you spend you don't actually spend a lot of time doing the thing you're trained to do. You might work, you might be on set actually acting for maybe less than an hour a day. You sit around a lot as an actor, so I imagine you're pretty conditioned to sort of being with yourself a lot, right? You go to different locations. You're by yourself. You're sitting in a trailer. You know, so how how have you kind of grown to be comfortable being with yourself? I never thought about it like that, but yeah, maybe you're right. Even though I hate to sit around, to be honest, and on like a movie that has been well planned, you know, without any problems, you don't wait too much, right? Normally, uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. You have to you have to be alone and and to be okay with that. Yeah, but two months because we've been. I mean, how, how long has it been for you? We, um, I think it, well, we're in our fifth week, I believe, fourth or fifth week of, of quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like us. Yeah. More. Yeah. And we, we actually have not, I think I've left the house three times in five weeks, two times were to go to the pharmacy and what it, four times. And then two times were to pick up takeout, but it's a whole thing. Like, yeah. I have a mask on and gloves in my car because, you know, the cops can pull you over here if you're driving around. They can pull you over and go, where are you going? So, I, you know, I'm all gloved up. And I pull up to the takeout place. I open the trunk from inside. They set it in the trunk and then they close it. So we've, we've had no contact with any other people in, in five weeks. What's going to happen after that? I really wonder how. Well, the thing is that it's going to be uh, it's going to have to be progressive, you know. But otherwise, I think people would just like freak out and go out and jump in clubs and kiss and you know whatever. Some will, yeah. Oh, some will, and to... some are going to be really terrified. I think some. I think, I think the the post traumatic stress of social distancing. I think a lot of people will actually be really afraid, you know, because. Uh, we're humans are kind of huggers and you know like we you know I, I i i do stand-up comedy i go do shows i meet people after shows we hug take pictures do high fives you know I, i'm not i'm not a germaphobe but i don't think that's something i'll be able to do for a while now you know and that's the same thing in france people kiss a lot you know everybody's like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> This is over. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> it'll be a lot of air kisses from six feet. Blah, blah. Yeah, that's for you. Blah, blah. That's for you. Yeah, that, that's for you. I mean, 
you know, for a species that relies on in real life interpersonal connection and touch and feel and, you know, it, it is, I think it will be more emotionally challenging than, than people realize because the, like we, we walk our dog outside, we avoid anyone, we just walk around our block and I have a neighbor and she kind of came forward to touch the dog and I was like, no, 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 you can't come close. Like people are just... It's, yeah. it's it's automatic. It's just part of our it's just part of our DNA. So I don't know what happens after all this. Or or with, um, or with film, you know, like film is a business of like acting is a business of proximity. You're near people. You're touching people. The crew is packed in. There's a makeup yeah. artist on you. Wardrobe is you know futzing with you. Yeah. So what happens? I have no idea. Everything is blocked right now. We'll see. It's going to take a while before everything gets back in place, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you have any other... Do you have, like, personal hobbies? Is there anything that you do kind of for yourself that you've been doing more of the past five weeks? No. No, actually. I love to be in the water. I'm a surfer. I love to be... Uh, actually, I even got involved with something incredibly cool that is called... It's called foil surfing. I don't okay. know if you know what it is. No. Foil surfing. It's incredible. Check it out. You love it. What is it? And uh, it's, it's, it's a board that has a wing underneath and a mass... And so the minute you take a little bit of speed, you, you speed, you start to fly above the water. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen that. I didn't know that's what that was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that. Yeah. And right now, I mean, you, you're not allowed to get into water here. I don't know about America, but here you, you can't even get close to the beach. Yeah, they had to close the beaches after the first week of quarantine because everyone just treated it like spring break, you know? So, like, the beaches were packed the first week of quarantine, and then the mayor of L.A. came out and said, guys, this is not a vacation. Beaches are closed. <laughs> so, yeah, so technically you can't, you, you, you really yeah. can't go to the beach now. You can't surf and all that. But anyway, so, yeah, you know, I, I play a bit of a guitar. I, I, uh, I do, like, garden stuff. I, uh, what do I do? I read. I watch movies that I've watched before, you know. Do you still practice martial arts? No. No. <laughs> and I take care of my kids. That's the good thing. You know, so you, you get to spend a lot of time with your kids. And so that's really, really enjoyable, I have to say. I do wonder how kids are going to view this time. <laughs> you know, like, are they... It'll be a weird thing in their past that in, like, 10 or 20 years, they'll be like, yeah, there was a period of a few months where my parents were around a lot. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I think the kids will probably... It must be a lot different from their point of view. Of course. Yeah, it'll be a memory. And plus, we never we never went through anything like that in our lives. Right. You know? Even the eldest. Even the eldest don't have that memory of being like, you know, the, I mean... They talk about the war for the war, the one that we're around, you know, and there's still some talking about the, the Second World War. Huh? Right. You know, and that was the big thing in Europe. But otherwise, uh, such a, like a, 
noticeable events. I don't think there is anything uh, here, at least, you know. Yeah. You had 9 11. We, we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And life did change for a while. Well, and actually, that did dramatically change the way things are conducted here. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it changed travel, it changed. And around the world. And around the world. And around it's not the just world. in America. Yeah, around, around the world, the way that security is done. And, and I was in New York when it happened, and so I, I, I lived there at the time. And so it, it, there, there was a long period of time where it, the air felt different. You could just feel it in the air. People were generally nicer to each other. People were generally more, um, it was very communal because of this horrible thing. Um, but then, you know, after a few years, then people just kind of slide back into their old patterns. They're kind of in their own bubbles again. They're not as, you know, it's not as much holding the, no, you go after you, you know, like that, that does melt away after a couple of years. And, uh, you know, a little virus and then we're back in business. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're all back. Now we're all back paying attention to each other again. But, you know, it's just unfortunate that it takes tragic events for people to, remember humanity to remember other people it's just so especially with devices it's so easy to just get trapped in our own world in our own heads in our own selfish bubbles you know um yeah. i, I, I really... can ask you a technical question yeah. this is live or this is rec- I think we are live right now no 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 this isn't live this isn't live this we're just recording this <laughs> i wasn't really sure i was like it's really relaxed <laughs> <laughs> well, I do a live television show on Sunday nights. I love live television. I love live broadcasts because you can't, you just can't second guess it. It's like whatever happens, happens. And there's a little bit of a, yeah. have you ever done live TV or anything before? Like not a talk show, but like real live, anything live? Oh, no. There's a real acceleration to it, you know, but it, you know, a podcast is just a long conversation and it's one of the reasons why I've liked doing them for so long because I get to meet people like yourself that I've been watching for years uh, that I think are really cool. And then I just, it's just like a, it, it's, it's just like a conversation. Like we met at a cafe and I'm like, oh, Vincent, he seems nice. Let's get to know each other. Because in America, at least, I don't know what it was like in France, but in America, media was becoming so um, short attention span, sound bites, you know, like you must, you've done a million junkets, you know, it's like you get the same five questions Bam, bam, boom, you, you uh, feel like, yeah, you, you feel like you're a prop, like you don't feel like you're human. And then, you know, podcasts come along and then it's like, oh, what are, what are, you know, what's Vincent like as a human being? He doesn't really even have to be talking about anything specific, but you know, if I were to hang out with this guy for an hour, what would that be like? And so that's, that's kind of what the vibe of this is. I get it. That's, so, that's totally how it feels, by the way. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, when uh, at what point in your career did you kind of say like you know I'm ready I want to kind of I want to do English speaking films I'm kind of interested in in the American market did that fall into your lap or was it something that you actively pursued? Well, I never really thought about it like that. But let's say I would, uh, as I was saying, you know, it's not, I never thought about myself like I never thought I could fit in the French industry to be honest because because I grew up on. Uh, on an, on, on an American culture, mostly, you know, uh, my mother lived in New York, so I, I was there pretty early. And and uh, so it was a lot about hip hop and all about, you know, Broadway and 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 Scorsese and, and all these things. You know, I mean, I grew up with that imagery. Mm-hmm. So I know, so then when I was 17, I moved to New York and I studied over there for like a year. And that's when I realized I was very French. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fascinating that it took a different culture reflecting back at you to make you realize, like, oh, actually, yeah, I do identify yeah. as French. See what I could, what I would miss, and I was dreaming of New York. I mean, I was a total New York freak for years. I mean, I would like oh, be excited to get into the plane because I would go to the Roxy, I would go to a, to the to the Danceteria and all those clubs. You know, it was like. It was really, really strong. Uh, the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s in New York was so crazy. You know, it was like the, the center of everything I liked, really. Yeah. You know? 
But then being there 24-7, I realized that I missed my little village called Paris because the vibe is different. You know, you, the minute you get in Paris, into Paris, you will hear like some, the bells of the fucking church, yep. you know, and then some birds. And it's a different vibe. It's not as, but we're slower. You know, the thing is that things take longer time to happen because we overthink everything. You know, the country of America and Brazil, which are very young countries where things happen must, must more, much more uh, on the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. It, uh, you know, and each and I and I'm and I'm European and I'm and I'm Parisian. I have to say, with everything that comes. You, you've also had the luxury of of being able to live in different cultures, like to be immersed in different cultures. Totally, totally, and I think it's a wonderful thing because that's how you. That's actually the, that's how I understood my country. It's traveling around. When you travel around and I see what I miss in France, then, you know, when I go back to France, I don't complain as much. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, that thing that I can't put a word on, that I recognize my identity, what is it? That I can find in Italy, in Spain, you know, Europe has that thing that, but then I was crazy about New York and I spent like a long time in Brazil, who is another very young country where people don't think too much and shit happen all the time. Yeah. But it's refreshing, it's it's young, it's fresh, it's new, it's it's still happening. Here it kind of happened. Right. You know? Right. So we're wiser, let's say, maybe, but we're older. In that the is, culture. That is funny to think about it like that, because I think the American experience of go my wife and I were my wife and I went to Italy and Paris and London last year. And um I, I, Americans always complain about like, God, the service is so slow in these French cafes, you know, and it was funny to hear you say like, you know, we take more of our time, you know, we're because you're you're an older culture, you're not as in a hurry. And we're so in a hurry, like, God, I want this fucking coffee. Where's the why is it taking so long? You know, we're just we're so accustomed to like now, 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 now. And we tend because slowly but surely Europe is getting more and more Americanized in the way of living because of globalization and all that. But we still, and if you go to Italy and and Spain, Spain is like, you know, it's, and in Brazil and some part of Brazil and Bahia, it's like, woohoo! But you can't complain because when you go there and you go to those places, because you want to have this thing, this different this different relationship with time, right? And now everybody has it for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also. You know, for people who I wonder if there are people who have who kept putting off traveling. Ah, you know, I'll go travel some other time, or I don't have time, or I'm busy, or I'm working, or you know, uh, that are now regretful. Like shit. Like I, I feel so lucky that we went to Italy and France and and the UK last year in May because I, I would really be pining because you know, like. It, it'll be a while before it'll be. I just feel like it'll be a little while, you know, even when they open everything back up. It, it, the first thing we're going to do is probably not, you know, go like travel internationally. We'll probably just kind of wait, see how everything plays out, you know. I think we, we won't have the choice anyway. I think the, 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 the borders between at least like countries and even more like continents, it's going to take a little while before they, everybody feels, uh, you know, and South America was a little late and actually they still are. And uh, so it's going to take a little more time for them to uh, adjust to the virus and all. Yeah. Um, it was so surreal, and it must be surreal for you too, but la when we were there in May last year, the Notre Dame fire had just happened. And I know. Was, my, my daughter was born that day. She was born that day? Eh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Really? Uh... That's, a, that's a really fascinating... Uh, that's detailed. Yeah, that is a really interesting. I mean, it must have been such a oh my gosh, yay! Oh, what is happening? I mean, you know, it. There's so many things that are happening in the world right now that feel um, epic, you know, like and and not necessarily not and definitely not in a great way, you know. These, you know, fires in Australia and Notre Dame burning, and now there's a pandemic, and then you know, it just. Is is this just the course of life, or are we just more aware of everything now because you know we have access to information all the time? 
I would have a tendency to, th to say that it's because we know more and more on the minute. So we are totally bombarded by, uh, by information and everything that happens. Um, but I think that there has been like tsunamis we never heard about uh, in the past, you know, or people dying because of a landslide or some disease or, yeah, you know. I just feel like what when I have kids, what am I going to tell them, you know, like, because if you just look at what's available in the news, everything is, it's just tragedy. And so how do you tell a kid like, hey, listen, there's a lot of shit going on in, in life and in the world, but it's not all bad. There are some good things, but you really do have to, you have to dig for it. You know, it's not just readily available. You have to really find it. No, I would say don't worry. Everything is going to be all right, but focus on surviving. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, you said earlier on, like, you were a pretty calm guy. I mean, I, 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 is that just part of your DNA, or was that, I don't know, did, did you have a role model? Like, I'm, I, love to, I love to talk to calm people, because I just, like, like did you learn that, or you just were not, is your chemistry just calm? I'm not calm at all. I am not calm at all. I just, I'm, I'm I'm super excited all the time. I tr I just I just focus on my breathing because I know this is the only way out. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who meditates, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's really because hard to do I, sometimes. Yes, it is. But no, I'm not calm at all. I'm sure uh, you know the Sagittarius. Uh, a lot of fire, and so you have to canalize it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Are you writing? Is there anything else that you're? Is there anything else that you're working on at the moment, or you're just taking this time off? No, right now I'm taking care of my kids. I got three girls, and they're here with me, so I'm cooking mostly, and you know, doing shit with them. So. Are you School homeschooling stuff. at all? Are you having to? Are are because I have some friends who are parents who are like now have become teachers to their kids. Of course, that's what that's what we do. That's what we do. So you know, it's you know you don't. I mean, it's not like I get bored at any time. <laughs> right, 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 right. And what advice do you have for people who are like yourself, like me, like people who constantly have to be doing stuff? And feel like I don't know what to do without the world to access. You know, I'm kind of going crazy. Would you just say to them, like, well, just breathe or pick up a hobby or focus on something else? Like, what's your advice for people who are hyperactive? Well, pick a hobby. I mean, you know, a hobby is very, is very superficial, you know, just the word. You know, it's like do something where you, where you have fun doing it, you know, whatever. Really, something that makes you, you know, wake up in the morning, enjoy, be ready to take some risk, you know, whatever it is. I'm not talking about work, huh? because like, but do something that, you know, makes you feel alive and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, that's foil surfing when you're able to do it. Yeah, especially, I mean, everything that goes in the water, I'm, I'm very attracted by the ocean. So when I can spend time doing it, if I spend a day or a few hours in the day in the ocean, at the end of the day, I don't need anything. I will just, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, I did, I've done what I had to do. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out... To the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
Is there a type of movie that you haven't you've you've done you've done films in Portuguese, Italian, French, English? Is there anything that you haven't conquered yet that you still is there is there like a big goal in mind like someday I really want to do that? I don't have that. Honestly, I don't. I never had it. I never had this goal. I always worked. I never tried to make money. I always I mean, I wasn't rich, but I was making money. I was, I was one of, I was one of my richest friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> good doing like shitty jobs. I always, you know, had enough to live, and um, and so I never thought about like I want to do this character. I want to work this. I want to get this prize. Or it's really about like honestly, you know, we we were say, talking about the choices. Yes, of course, you do good choices, but never forget that you only choose in what has been proposed to you <laughs> right you know think about it. so it's always a game of like you know what do you do do you how do you play your cards really how do you play your cards that's what it is you know because sometimes you know they can call you for something and you're like on paper it's like um you know but the opportunity is kind of cool what can i do with it mm-hmm. you know how juggle it off you know and and you know, managed to make a a dollar out of fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I've never really heard that approach before because, I, you know, listen, America. I don't know what America is very much a self help society. There's a lot of like realizing your goals. I mean, I tell people all the time, write down goals if you want to. You know, use them as a roadmap. But hearing you say like, I don't think about goals. You just sort of. You're sort of just in the moment. You just kind of find things that you like to do in the moment. And that's really interesting and attractive to me because if you're always thinking about the future, then you're not really focusing on the present or you're not living in the present. You're not experiencing the present because you're always thinking ahead. Totally. And you end up working all the time. And that's what I've seen with uh, quite a lot of American actors that I've been working with. It's like they work all the time. And when you work all the time, you end up thinking that what you do is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's important to, to take your job in, you know, seriously, but it's not the Professor Raoult who just found the chloroquine who, was the guy who might save the world. You know what I'm saying? It's, so, I mean, I always said, you know, because I, at a certain point I was involved in too many projects, I remember, and I, I you know, I was like planned like ahead of one year ahead and that was really the scariest thing for me and at a certain point like a lot of projects did collapse and I mean a lot of people would say ah oh, fuck man this project you know that doesn't gonna work it's not gonna work and it is no I felt free <laughs> I felt free because I think to go on set with the desire to go on set is one of the most important thing in an actor's life if you go on set to work you fucked. So I would say to go on vacation is definitely part of the job because after a point, you know, when you spend like time doing your hobbies and stuff like that, yeah, you're like, okay, so what do we do now? When, when it, where is my next fight? Right. But if you work all the time, it's, there's no next fight. You're in a perpetual fight. So you lose, I would say, perspective somehow. Right. Yeah, because I think you're trying to make your job your identity, but... It's not never become what you do. Never become what you do. Right. If you can. You know? Right. That would be so sad. (laughs) Well, and also, you know, as an artist, you kind of need to refill, like refuel. Like you need to have experiences to then be able to re express them. But if you're just tapping that, uh, if you're just tapping that fountain all the time and not refilling it, then I would imagine you would get pretty empty after a certain period of time. Or you just keep on saying the same thing. I, I know that, like, through the different experiences I had in life, you know, there were some things that when I play them on set, I'm like, ah, I don't think two years ago I would have been able to do this. I mean, not like that, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, differently. So, yeah, what you go through, whatever it is, joy and pain, is interesting for an actor. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and well, especially as someone who's won, you know, huge awards, are you able to, were you able to sort of separate that from yourself 
so that it didn't take over, you know. I, I have the some wh- friends I have some friends who like will not go to award shows because they go, if I do that, then it's I'm gonna start to think about that and I don't wanna think about all that stuff because it's not it's not why I do this. Are you able to sort of separate and just take it in stride? Listen, I mean, uh, it's part of the job, you know, to be there, to appear, to do the red carpet and do the, all this, all this bullshit. You have to do it because, because otherwise, you know, somebody's going to do it for you right? instead of you. And eventually people will go to see that movie. So it's really about, I'm sure it's really useful, but unfortunately that's what people identify with. This is the way the system goes. So, I mean, I don't go everywhere and I, I try to stay a little rare yeah, in France mostly, you know, because because it's work to go through this, to these things. You know, it's a lot of, you know, you people judge you and they, and they ah, he's like this. And then it's like people talk about you. <laughs> it's like high school. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> but, but. Prop. But to win an award, we're talking about being goal-oriented. Some people go, oh, I just want to win an Oscar. I just want to win a Caesar Award or I just want to do this. And then they do. And then a lot of them go, oh, well, that moment's over. Now what do I – you know, it's like when you make it all about the goal or all about the work, that's the other thing that's dangerous. Because if you get the thing, then then what happens? If you're not – if you don't – you know, if you're not comfortable – If it's the goal, then it's sad. It's kind of sad. But, you know, no, I think it's, with the time I realized that what I want personally, at, at, with what I do, I mean, I don't control a movie, of course, you know, I mean, I'm just an actor, so I surf on the wave that I've been presented to, a set with lines and stuff. But if you can at least come up with moments, you know, that somebody people will remember forever. Mm-hmm. And I have this with actors. You know, sometimes you remember about, you know, one thing, you don't remember the story, you, don't, you barely remember the movie, but you remember that moment when that actress or that actor turns in this beautiful frame and says that thing, and that's in your mind, and it becomes like something with all your life. Don't you have these kind of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I want. Whatever the movie, whatever the part, whatever the language, you know, stuff that, you know, people don't forget. But what's interesting about that is that you don't really have control. You have control over what you bring to the table, but you don't yeah. have any control over how they frame the shot or light it or what music or whatever. So you really kind of, you're sort of hoping for a, a symphony to take place when you just have like a saxophone, you know, like you're hoping that it all works out. You are, I mean, depending part, of course, but as an actor, or as an actress, you are, you are, you are the solo artist. You are the guy who comes at the right moment and he goes, tip, da, ba, da, da, ba, up, and then you go for it. <laughs> so you got, you got, you got, everything is made so you can shine normally if you're in a, if you're in a good movie. Yeah. Shine out of what you do. Listen, man, you know what? I'm going to have to go because I'm going to cook for my kids now. That's so adorable. <laughs> I love that you're a good dad, man. I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you, and I really hope that, uh, you know, all these questions weren't too annoying. I just... Uh, uh, not at all, man. It didn't feel like an interview at all. But we never talked about, like, Westworld. I mean, well, so- everyone knows Westworld, and I'm going to record a thing at the beginning that says watch Westworld, and people are watching it anyway, but I'll, I'll remind them that you're in Westworld. And, uh, and That's okay. It's anything whatever. else you do? Is there anything else that's coming out that you have that you want to plug? Let me think about it. I'm, I'm, I have a tendency to forget everything I just did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I have anything in the box? No, I think the last thing I shot was this. Okay. No, I have another. Th- no, actually, no. I have a movie in a box in France. Uh, uh, I don't know the, the the international title though. And then, lastly, what are you making for dinner? You know what? I don't know yet, and that's why I'm gonna have to hurry. I have a lot of different stuff. You know, I got like veal, I got fish, I got rice, I got pasta, and so normally I open and I'm like, okay, tonight it's gonna be like. And then I get crazy and I just come up with something. Live in the moment. Cook in the moment. 
I will close uh, by guess, saying that uh, I only know I only know how to say one thing in French, which is what I said when I everywhere I went in Paris, which was "Désolé, je ne parle pas français. Je suis un Américain stupide." That's all I know how to say. You don't have to say. You see, I'm just an American. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them a pass on this one. They don't speak a lot of languages. We gotta, we gotta let them go. How do we say? I usually end the podcast by saying, "Enjoy your burrito." It means enjoy your present as it's happening. How do I say "enjoy your burrito" in French? Uh, Kiff ton burrito. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Vincent. Keep, keep ton burrito. Keep ton burrito. Ouais. Ah, merci, merci. Uh, au revoir. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you so much, Vincent. It was a yeah. pleasure talking to you. For that moment. Cheers. Thank Bye-bye. you. The end. Bye. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them, In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.